Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of four, a business owner, an entrepreneur, and a wife of 12 years to my husband, who is terminally ill. And this is my podcast, When Shit Gets Real. It's a candid discussion about when dynamics change and life gets real messy. Okay, so this is episode four of When Shit Gets Real. And you, Rebecca Sandell, are my second guest to have on here. So yeah. Becca's my sister. Um, obviously, she's Tyler's sister-in-law. Um, she's also a therapist. So I know you're going to have a lot of good insight. And we've got lots of good stuff to talk about. Um, what I've been doing is I want you to kind of give your relationship with Tyler and just who Tyler is to you and what you think of, like, how would you describe Tyler? Mm -hmm. Goofy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely goofy. Um, I unfortunately overheard Natalie's quickly where it was like very nineties. Yeah. That is so Tyler. I mean, I can't listen to a nineties radio station with like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, Nickelback and all that stuff without immediately thinking of Tyler all yeah. the time. Um, incredibly kind and generous. Um, one of the things that I loved about Tyler so much was his relationship with Caleb. Mm-hmm. Um, we were so worried because we didn't, um, we just wanted somebody to just be Caleb's friend. That was it. We didn't want him to have a stepdad because mm-hmm. we were all so close to Caleb, you know, so we were always terrified that somebody would come in and kind of take that role. And Tyler never did. Never. Yeah. So he always just like, he was a the most amazing dad. Yeah. He is the most yeah. amazing dad. Um, but I'm thinking when Caleb came into the picture, I could not believe his ability to just take that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but take it in just such a great way mm-hmm. of um, friend yeah. and dad. Yeah. Um, so there's those things. And then just an amazing husband. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's just all around good guy. Mm-hmm. So um, I think what I wanted to talk about, and I think this is a really huge one, is, you know, so we've got the four children, Caleb, who we mentioned, who's 24, mm-hmm. Hendrix is nine, Jackson's about to turn eight, and then we have our daughter, Alex, who's four, going on like 34. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was a year ago right now that we moved back to Beloit Mm. very Mm -hmm. abruptly. You know, Mm -hmm. this all went down. And I remember telling the kids, asking the boys, do you want to stay one more week or two more weeks at school? You know, and Hendrix wanted to stay too. He was second grade. So he was establishing friends. And so that, you know, and then we're moving into, you know, my friend's parents' home. It's like, you know, and you know, we're going to be moving again. God. Yeah. So, you know, they moved to a new back in new city, new schools, new house to be moved again. And 
Um, so that transition was really rough and, you know, so I want to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about, you know, having that discussion with the kids. I remember having to sit down with them mm-hmm. the day that we found out that Tyler's tumor had come back, mm-hmm. you know, and this was just after, you know, he had had surgery in March, the last surgery, they were one and one and two. They knew that dad had a tumor, but they didn't really know what that meant until it had come back right. that March. He had surgery and everything seemed fine. And then everything started going downhill and the tumor came back. And um, I've always been very honest with my kids, you know. Yes. Yeah, very much so. And um, but just kind of trying to keep it age appropriate. And, you know, I just... Yeah, I just sat down and said, Dad's tumors come back. You know, and of course they ask, well, he'll just have another surgery. Mm-hmm. And then you have to say, no, he's he can't have another, you know, there's no surgery. They're trying medicine, you know. Um, and we didn't talk about death. And even now we're not talking about death because mm-hmm. that's not in our immediate future. Right. You know, like right. his... Um, scans are stable, you know, once that changes mm-hmm. and, you know, we will talk that about that, but there's very much, you know, no dad will not get better. Um, Jackson just asked me the other day, will dad ever drive me to school or pick me up from school again? You know, no, he won't. Um, but I remember you, cause I was so terrified of like this destroying the children, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're, you're just so worried about them. And I remember you telling me they've already been traumatized. This, right. this whole situation has traumatized them. Right. Right. There's, There's really no re-traumatizing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was really, um, helpful information, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I think I was frustrated when we moved back to Beloit because Hendrix was, he was just so angry, mm-hmm. really angry. Hendrix definitely um, defaulted to anger. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and another thing that you had told me too was, you know, they don't know how to process these feelings. Well, they don't know what those feelings are. Mm-hmm. They literally don't have names mm-hmm. for those feelings. Why it don't you be... give a background of what you do? Okay. Um, so I currently do in-home therapy. So I'm a psychotherapist and I work with, I technically work with ages five up to 95. I mean, there's really no, um, particular age range, but I generally end up working mostly with children, um, and adolescents. Um, and I've been doing this for, well, I guess like cumulatively like 10 years Mm -hmm. I've been doing this. Um, and I love it. Mm-hmm. It's my dream job, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're amazing at it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I would say that I, I, I have a trauma and attachment background. So I would say the majority of my training is within trauma and attachment issues. Um, and then I'm actually trauma focused CBT certified. Um, so I'd say that's where I get the majority of my training. 
And then I have a little bit of experience with grief. I certainly work with children and adults that have experienced grief and loss. Um, but I actually was volunteering at a, um, it's a camp for people that have lost uh, loved ones. Mm. And so I was doing that for a little bit. I found some interest in grief mm -hmm. counseling. Mm -hmm. uh, but I certainly do not specialize in grief counseling. And as we have talked before, that is a specialty. Right. Um, and so I've really implored you, which you have, you know, to seek out therapists that are knowledgeable mm -hmm. about grief and right. loss. Because it's so different. It's such a different animal mm -hmm. than other things we are faced with. Yeah. Ex yeah. And it's hard to find those. Right. I'm finding also, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like what you were talking about, though, how the kids don't really even understand. Yeah, because I kept trying to connect with the kids and like, let's talk about this. You know, like, how is this making you feel? How are you feeling? Like, I wanted to right. get to the core of it. Like, right. just express how this is all making you feel. And, you know, they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it comes out in other ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's really the, that's really the key is to what, what I tell parents that are dealing with kids that are exhibiting behaviors, behavioral problems are, oh, they're communicating to you. Mm -hmm. It's just through their behaviors. That's how they're communicating to you. Mm -hmm. So you as the fully functioning adult with the fully developed brain need to help them learn the words mm -hmm. for those feelings, mm -hmm. right? But that's exactly what they're doing is communicating yeah. <laughs> to you. Yeah. And uh, we had also had a conversation during this time, because I couldn't stand him. I did. I mean, I couldn't stand him. He was I a, took him. Remember, I took him camping. Oh, yeah. That was last year. Yeah. That was last year. Mm -hmm. He was... I remember breaking down sobbing at one point because I was like, this is not our Hendrix. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it and I remember I, because of my training and because of my background and because I'm also, you know, completely removed and not in it in the way that you're in it. I was able to stay pretty calm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I remember he would, I, I mean, he was just pushing, 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 pushing during this wonderful camping trip. And um, I remember just w during one part of it, um, I was like, <laughs> he had like gone up behind um, Owen and like smacked him on the head or something. It was just obnoxious. Uh -huh. And Owen was like, why did you do that? You know, and I just would go over and I grabbed Hendrix. And I was like, come on. And we were like way on the other side of the park. And I'm like, we're walking back. And I was like, it seems like you just need to spend some time with me. Mm -hmm. And he did not like that. And Sarah, by the time we got halfway into the trail, I could not. He just spilled and just started opening up about things that were going on. And, mm -hmm. you know, because I gave him that time. Right. Well, and <clears throat> I remember you telling me the times that you most don't want to be around your children right is when they need you the most right and that's when i, I said that to you you did but i say that to you a lot <laughs> <laughs> 
sometimes I listen and sometimes I don't. Right. Because right. I don't want to be around them. <laughs> yeah. But during that, I mean, it was very clear oh, yes, he Sarah. was hurting, you know, and that's when I started. All right. Well, once a week, you know, and we had established it where um, Aaron, our brother, would watch the kids and Hendrix, you and I were going to go down to the ice cream shop. And I remember that first night, like he was pissed. He had to go with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? You're. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You have to go spend time with your mom at the ice cream store, ice cream shop. Right. You know. But I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this. That's so amazing. And we did it. And it. I mean, it was about halfway through the time there. I mean, we were still there as he's got his, you know, ice cream with the nerds on it and gummy bit. Like, yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? You're yeah. still a dick, really. Yeah. But I just kept pressing, just question, you know, like, tell me about your school. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, is there, you know, do you have a friend? No. You know. Yeah. And um, it finally, one of the workers had said something funny, you know, that him and I overheard and it broke the ice, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and it, it really changed things dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so I know now, and then I was doing that with each of the kids for a little yeah. while, you know, just, they want that one-on-one time and I need to get back into doing that. But, you know, anytime that there's that kind of behavior again. Well, this is, so I can't take credit for this analogy, but um, it's my all-time favorite. And now I use this constantly with my family as in we, we make visuals that um, represent this analogy, but it's the idea of the relationship bank. Mm, Have I talked mm-hmm, to you about that? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, the idea of, you know, I, I tell everybody, I go, you know, every single relationship you have, you start your bank account at zero. From the moment you come into contact with that person, you're at a zero up balance. And there are deposits made to this relationship bank and there's withdrawals made to this relationship bank and we talk a little bit you know about um you know what does that mean well if you take out money that's not there what happens well your account goes negative right how do you get your account back up into the positives well you got to add money how do you make money well you got to work right you got to work at relationships right and so every time there is a negative withdrawal right Mm -hmm. negative interaction you just keep taking from that bank right and after a while there's nothing to take anymore you know and so it's so important the idea of keeping that balance Mm -hmm. above zero so that when you do need when your kid is an asshole Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you can take a withdrawal right Right. and the other thing that i love to do is i love giving um nominal um uh, numbers. I don't know if that's the right term, but um, values. Mm-hmm. So I'll say like, um, okay, what would going out for ice cream? What would that be in your bank? And I go, it can literally be any amount. You can make up any amount, and I'll have some kids, you know, go to the a trillion dollars. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And you know, and so mm-hmm. we talk about kind of the value. What about if you do the dishes? What what? How much is that worth? You know, mm-hmm. what if? Um, what if you tell your mom you're going to come home at a certain time and you don't come home at that time? Mm-hmm. Right? What is that? What if you get yelled at? What does that withdraw? Right. Right. So it's a really fun way to just keep that in check. Right. You know, 
And the relationship <clears throat> thing, by the way, goes for ourselves too. But I think that'll be oh, another for conversation. Sure. Well, but then you that know? kind of ties into when from my position, I'm trying to keep Hendrix's emotional bank full, mm-hmm. Jackson's, Alex's, Tyler's, right. Caleb's, myself. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's hard. It's yeah, very mm-hmm. hard. And it, you know, um because every time you give to them, right. you're potentially taking from your own bank. Right. Right? Yeah. So then we got to find a way to replenish that. Right. This is one of the ways that I think you're replenishing. Yeah. You know. Definitely. And it just it's a very daunt cuz Oh, for months, that was my biggest. I'm like, I just got to get these kids through this. I have to right. get them through, you know, and I would say now they're way, way better. And you just said it, though, Sarah, there is no through. I, I right. mean, there's no. Well, there is a through. Right. But it's a relay. Mm-hmm. It's it's just I mean, that's when you're dealing with any type of trauma or grief. Right. You know, my other favorite analogy is the buffalo. <laughs> What's that? There's a beautiful, uh, you can just use, or not YouTube it, but uh, Google it. Um, just an image of if you type in like trauma and buffalo or buffalo analogy or something. Um, buffalo are apparently the only animals that will run toward a storm as opposed to away from a storm. Hmm. Because. Maybe that's my next tattoo. Oh, it's fantastic. Huh. Isn't it the most amazing? Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe I went my whole life with not hearing this analogy. Because what's on the other side of the storm? Right. Blue skies, right? So they literally run right through that storm to get to the other side because they know they have to get to the other side instead of being chased by this storm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the the huge misconception when dealing with um, grief and loss is the idea that they're just we just got to get to the other side. We just got to get to the you know, and it's like no, there's a whole lot you got to go through right (laughs) to get to that other side. Yeah. And especially dealing in a situation where you have an ill parent. Right. You know, I mean, we're in this for the long haul. Absolutely. You know, and so it's our kind of what we were talking about before. It's like our norm is constantly transitioning and adjusting and changing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and we're having to be very adaptive to that. Right. And And then you have children who... mm -hmm are constantly shifting and changing and growing. I say to parents, uh, if there's one thing, you'll never hear me promise you anything, ever, 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 but I will promise you this, your kids are going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a guarantee right. in life. So you better you better be open to changing with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and every kid needs something. Now, Jackson, very different. You know, mm-hmm. this has not had the same effect on him i think the way i'm seeing it display in him um he's very immature he's brilliant Mm -hmm. but he's very immature wouldn't you say too like jackson goes inward whereas hendrix goes outward yes yeah like um jackson will get debilitatingly negative yes yeah about himself Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm Whereas Hendrix will attack. Yeah. That's his defense mechanism. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know? And so for Jackson, I try to do, you know, he's so artistic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like I try to 
communicate with him through art projects or, you know, crafty, you know, make sure he has all that stuff to express himself. Mm-hmm. Hendrix is very physical, you know. He just taught yes. himself how to do a running round off backflip at night, right. you know. Right. And then you've got Alex who, <clears throat> you know, this is the only dad she's known. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this dad that can't form correct sentences, doesn't understand always what she's saying, you know, mm-hmm. so she gets frustrated with him. But even watching her, too, mm-hmm. she's very patient with him. She's also mean to him because she knows she can be. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so that's a struggle, too, because they don't really listen to him. Yeah, that I would say is my like my blinding zone mm-hmm. when I'm around the kids and I see them treat Tyler poorly, mm-hmm. which the boys <clears throat> have gotten infinitely better. I yes. don't know what that is. I mean, I'm I like. Their patience has yeah. increased. Yeah. Their, you know, when they would laugh, I don't see that. Mm, no, um, I don't either anymore. You know, I, I am just like there was a time I was not too long ago where I was around them, and I just, oh my god, just to watch them interact with Tyler, and the level of consideration that they had, like helping Dad come up with the word, and mm-hmm. just, I, I was so incredibly impressed. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's come really far. Yeah. And then another, I remember um, driving with Jackson in the car because I do want to have these conversations with the kids. Mm-hmm. But with kids, you can't say, tell me how you're feeling about this, you mm-hmm. know, like we had just said. And so <clears throat> instead, I, I asked him, I said, what what do you miss about how dad used mm, to be? Those are great. Yeah. You know, and they kind of sat back there and, you know, he said, I, I miss him playing football with me. In the yard at the old house, you know, and it was just like that little bit of insight because, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, they're thinking about it. One hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and so I felt really good in that moment, kind of going through the back door, you know, and, and instead of, you know, tell me how you're feeling, mm-hmm. you know, give me an example of one. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, well, and then I I wanted to talk about. So we had a birthday party for Tyler mm-hmm. this last weekend, which, sorry, excuse me. 40, 40, <coughs> 44. 44. Mm-hmm. Which again, this time last year, didn't see that happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, you want to talk about like wonderful things that are coming out of this. I mean, we probably had at least 50 people. Oh my gosh. Who Sarah, came I... and went throughout the day. From out of town. Yeah. People that flew out of state. in. Yes. To drove in. Yeah. And I surprised him the first night with some friends that we've all known since, God, even before kindergarten, you know, and two of them had flown in from Colorado. And so that was a nice surprise for him. Um, but it was just a real outpouring again of love mm-hmm. for Tyler, you know, and it was kind of funny because I told them the guys the night before, I'm like, he needs to be home by 10 because it's going to be a long day tomorrow, right. you know. And, um, <clears throat> of course, 1030 comes and Sam, one of his friends, is texting me. Well, uh, Jeff says we're supposed to have him home by 10. Can we stay out a little bit longer? <laughs> there I am, apparently, the mom role again. Yeah. 
And, you know, I'm like, yes, just if you're having fun, have fun, you know, well, of course they didn't get home till like midnight and then Mm -hmm. stayed up a little bit longer, which typically is not a big deal. Right. But Tyler needs to nap and... No, I During loved the day. that you placed restrictions, by the way. <clears throat> yeah. I thought that was really yeah. good. So, you know, he he's up the next day to watch the Badger game. People are coming over, so he's up early. You know, but people keep coming in. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'm like, you need to go take a nap at some point. Well, he was refusing because he was worried people were going to leave. You know, and so he was kind of holding people hostage making sure they wouldn't leave. Oh, I know. That's something about Tyler that, speaking of, you know, thinking about Tyler as a person, it's just that he loves inclusivity, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll be the first to just give you massive shit for if you leave. Right. You know, and it's so funny. Yeah. I just love it. It's definitely a version of FOMO. Yes. You know, like Mm -hmm. he doesn't want you to miss out. He doesn't want to miss out. Interesting. So two of his friends had actually kind of placed a bet. It's like FOIMO, fear of you missing out. (laughs) Tyler has FOIMO. FOIMO. (laughs) Um, And uh, two of his friends actually placed bets 20 minutes either on either side of like, when is he going to go take a nap? Mm -hmm. And it was actually an hour and a half later. Oh, wow. To when I finally, I'm like, Jeff, you need to take him upstairs and make him take a nap. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But he had a wonderful time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he seemed to. You know, it was um, a long day of drinking Mm -hmm. for all of us, you know, and Caleb was there. And, you know, the thing with Caleb is he's not processing this very in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, I became the target that he could take this out on. And this has happened before. He gets very emotional about Mm -hmm. his dad and understandably, but, um, you know, it then turned into him telling me, you know, I'm not sharing enough with him. He doesn't know what's going on. I'm Mm -hmm. not responding to him. And which first of all is not true. I understand that's how he was feeling in that moment. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, it was a wake up call for me to make sure I'm doing a better job. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he feels isolated. He's living out of town, but um, it, the thing with Caleb, because he's 24, I don't want to burden him. Also, like you're my son. You're not my partner. Right. This is right. your dad. Mm-hmm. There's certain aspects. I don't need you to know, nor do I want you to know and carry that burden of the emotional toll this is taking mm-hmm. on me, you know? Right. Right. And so I don't know. That's, that's a tough one when you've got an adult child, an adult child, right? Yeah. I mean, I definitely said I, you know, I, I, well, I believe everybody, including myself, need to see a professional mm-hmm. around this because it's on. Well, let's. Can I? Can I say for your name? Yeah. The name of the podcast. Oh yeah. That I take a little bit of credit for that. Oh yes, I think I might have somewhere. I did give you credit. You can take all the credit well, for here. it. Well, I'm not. No, because you had, you said something that had the word shit in it already. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I mean, that's how it felt was like, oh, my God. It's real. Mm -hmm. Like, this is real. This is, you know, a freaking five alarm, you know, that we have to now figure out. Yeah. And um, we're all affected. Everybody and Mm -hmm. friends, family. I mean, it's even people that aren't even like particularly close to Tyler, even really know Tyler are affected by this because it just automatically makes you look at your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it should do. Right. Quite honestly, you know, and, um, uh, I guess with that being said, you know, I, Caleb has the weight of this in a way that nobody can understand, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and in, because of his age, he can also worry about me. Oh, right. Right. You know? And so I know he's worried about me Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it was just a lot going on that night. And, you know, it just with Caleb coming at me like that, which I just let it, I didn't fight back. I know, I know Mm -hmm. he needed to vent and Mm -hmm. get that out. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I really feel that I'm the punching bag for well, I hear you. I mean, I told you there was the encounter with him and I, that I, which I had just never in my 24 years of knowing him mm-hmm. had never had that kind of an interaction with Caleb. And I remember he um, it was during that um, concert that me and um, Stephanie's Eric, Tyler was walking to the bathroom and um you know, he sways and Mm -hmm. everybody had been taking him to the bathroom. And so I honestly didn't know. I didn't know, like, is he good? Just go in there, you know, like, is that all good? And so we very innocently, Eric and I both were just like, your dad's walking to the, like, is he okay? And Caleb Mm -hmm. freaking turned a switch and uh, became very, very defensive and angry, very angry. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled him aside and I was like, Caleb, I, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like this. I don't like the way you're talking to people that are just, we're concerned. We have right. a right to be concerned. Right. You know? Well, and so. it's, you know, it for me, it feels like I've got Tyler telling me I'm not, doing enough you know he Mm -hmm. likes to tell me that i'm mad at him all the time he likes to tell other people i'm mad at him all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is not true i'm am i frustrated uh yeah right you better fucking believe it but i'm also patient think of where i was a year ago oh my gosh you know and so such talking about the kids and their growth um your growth is i mean it's tremendous well, we're thank at. you. And I was so last year I was I remember calling mom, talking to Natalie, talking to Eric. I was just like, I I think we've just lost Sarah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't know and we have no idea how long we're gonna be needing to handle that. Right. Handle well, this, you know? And um yeah. And then I've got, you know, the the kids can't do anything right in their eyes. <laughs> you know, and so with Caleb coming at me too. It just again was like, my God, can I do like I'm carrying 
mm-hmm. all this on my shoulders and I'm supposed to be also maintaining everybody else's emotional welfare. Um, so well, I th- and the one thing that I say is we can take some comfort in Caleb feeling that he can put some of that weight on us because that means that we're really close to him. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you know, I'm a safe place. We all are, you know. Yeah, but you really are, you know. So And so I think I just, I you know, in this episode in particular, I just wanted to really stress how important, and that was one of the first things I did, you know, like after his surgery, before even him being re-diagnosed was like, I'm getting into therapy. I actually got Tyler into therapy. Once we got back to Beloit, the kids were in therapy. Like those are steps that you can do, you know, right off the bat, get, make sure you're taking care of your own mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, it's forget who I was talking. Oh, I think it was my therapist. She gave the analogy of on an airplane. You put your yeah. own air mask on mm-hmm. first. You can't help anybody else if you're not okay yourself right you know um i don't know where the well i shouldn't say i don't know we live you know we're a very puritanical society mm -hmm. right i mean that's just what we were brought up you know in our culture and it's this idea of like weakness asking for help and support and it just infuriates me to no end and it's interesting i can say this as a therapist who really did not want to go to a therapist when i was dealing with my own loss Mm -hmm. a couple years ago you know Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking back then like i'm glad i'm feeling this because it reminds me how my clients feel yeah when they have to come and see me but i mean that was just my first instinct was like Sarah you all need to be seeing therapists yeah. like there is just no two ways around this yeah because I remember one time you called and I remember I even said I'm like this is out of like this is way out of the scope of my practice like I don't mm-hmm. I really don't know how to to handle this right you know yeah so I think the takeaway from this is um just get therapy get therapy (laughs) truly like that's one of the first things and don't this is my other thing don't stop at one therapist my gosh we are all different yeah different personalities different techniques different theories right um different abilities Mm -hmm. different connections don't go to one therapist and go Oh my gosh, that one sucked because there are ones that suck. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is in every profession. Right. The other thing I wanted to hit on real quick too, which um, you had suggested books for the kids mm. too, because I feel like those also open up dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. and as you know, you were saying before, that's how children Learn and children learn through narratives, children mm-hmm. learn through stories, right? So, um, and that's actually one of the trainings that I did, um, is narrative therapy. So, it's it, books are just, I mean, it's why why we read, why we read to our children, why mm-hmm. there's a whole you know 
genre of, you know, books out there for every single thing you can possibly imagine. Right. right. And so, yeah, that was actually something when this happened, I personally started thinking about we need to get them books. Mm -hmm. We need to get them books to understand what's going on. Yeah. And the one that, um, what is it called? Cry hard, but don't break. Yes. So we did get that and we've read it. We should read it again. It's, it's just a beautiful story about, you know, these children sitting around the table with death. Who's, oh, you're gonna make me cry. It is it it is hard to read, but it needs to be because I read that. I'm well. I mean, just it's such a beautiful book, and they're asking it death is, questions. Mm -hmm. You know, and oh, it's so beautiful. It's like oh, chills on my yeah. arm. So beautiful, and the illustrations are beautiful. Well, and Alex right now is very um, preoccupied with death. Mm, and she'll pretty yeah mm -hmm. she's right on track yeah <laughs> and so she'll say things like you know are you gonna die you know and i'll say yep i am well i don't want you to die and i'm like well i don't want to die either but we all do well when am i gonna die well hopefully not very you know in a very long time from now or then um she'll want to uh use my makeup and I'll tell her no. And then she'll say, when do I get to use your makeup? And I say, you don't get to use my makeup. And then she'll say, well, when you die, can I have your makeup? And then I'll say, yeah, when I die, you can have my makeup. God. You know what that reminds me of? Do you remember Caleb coming out? We were, me, you and mom were watching a movie and Mike was lying in the bedroom. <laughs> and we noticed Caleb kept meandering around. He would have probably been about six, mm -hmm. I bet. And finally, you're like, Caleb, what, what are you doing? What's going on? And he goes, just out of nowhere. And like the door was open and Mike overheard. <laughs> Sorry, Mike overheard. And he goes, when Mike dies, can I get all of his toys? <laughs> I do remember that. And Sarah, you lost it because you thought he was like a sociopath. I will never forget that you just were like, why would you say that? <laughs> And we were just, I mean, mom and I remember we were trying to like just stifle our laughs and, um, and you were just like appalled. And I mean, that was before I really knew anything about typical yeah. age development stuff. I bet you'd handle that real well. Obviously you handle that yeah. a little differently now. Oh no, but she's yeah. eyeballing my makeup stash. There's been lots of questions about, <laughs> well, when you're dead. Oh, and then she said, when you're kind of dead, can I have some of your makeup? So, but it's just kind oh of an ongoing, <clears throat> you know, uh, well, and then we had our grandma pass away mm -hmm. and, um, I talked very candidly about, you know, somehow she was asking me about skeletons and I said, eventually, yes, granny will turn into a skeleton. And so periodically she'll, is granny a skeleton yet? Mm. You know, mm -hmm. we've also, yeah, we wonderful, talked about cremation questions. and yeah. So well, I was also thinking about the book that you bought when the um, kids started questioning different religions, different, um, mm, mm -hmm. do you remember the name of that book? Cause I was thinking that's a, what do you believe? What do you believe? Cause I think that's, I mean, that's obviously a whole, whole other yeah. podcast, but, um, but I think that, that idea of when you talk to your children and it's important, you know, if they're asking what happens and where does right. the person go and whatnot, I think that would be a good book to pair mm -hmm. with it because I'm pretty sure in that book, don't they talk yeah. about yeah. like end what of different. life, mm -hmm. like what each. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I think we covered a lot of stuff. I think this was good, Becca. I do too. And you get to come back next time too. Thanks. So, thank you. I'd love to start a conversation with you. Please share your story with me via email, which is sarah at whenshitgetsreal.net. That's sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at whenshitgetsreal.net. Or visit my website, whenshitgetsreal.net.